Well, it is a good evening to be together, um, and it is good whether we are here in person or whether we are uh, joining online um, with those who might be joining online there. Uh, I just wanted to take a few minutes tonight and kind of talk about this in-breaking that we've, we have been talking about, this whole thing that occurred. Um, and I love the two scriptures that Angela just read, um, and uh, just the idea of light and dark in that comparison. Um, the, the first one that she read, obviously, it's a prophecy from the book of Isaiah. It was written about 750 years before Jesus was born. The people that walk in darkness will see a great light. The light breaking into that darkness. I just love that. And, and then, of course, the, um, from John, in Jesus was life. That life was the light of mankind. And the light shines in darkness. And the darkness did not grasp it, did not understand it, did not comprehend it. So just that, those themes of light and dark. And I think probably John uh, is my favorite Christmas story, even though there's not really a Christmas story there in the book of John. Um, it is just the imagery of that whole thing really just, it just catches my attention and um, my imagination in a, in a different way. But I was really just struck by the combination of those two scriptures, this week as I was thinking about this and as I was studying this thing. Um, this idea of the people walking in the darkness and the people that are walking in the darkness would see a great light. And those who live in the dark land would have the light shine on them. And then verse John, and the light shines in the darkness, but the people don't see it. Or they see it, but they don't comprehend it. They don't grasp it. There's a paradox there, right? Just those two ideas and those two images that people who live in the darkness would see this great light. The light shines in the darkness, but they can't comprehend it. They can't grasp it. They don't get it. We don't get it. This whole thing, the people that Isaiah is talking about, that Isaiah is addressing, they were told about this event over and over and over and over and over and yet, they could not understand that it was happening. They didn't see it. The light shines in the darkness, but they don't comprehend that the light, in, that the light is in the darkness or what it means for that light to be there. And I was just kind of thinking a little bit of like, well, I mean, we, we can be hard on them, sure, but you can't really blame them that, that much, right? You can't really be too hard on them for not understanding or not comprehending. I mean, yes, they had hundreds of years of prophecy. Sure, they had that um, from the Old Testament. Those things, they described the Messiah coming. They described what the Messiah would do, who he would be, um, what he would accomplish, all of that. They had that information and they knew that information. It was rehearsed over and over in the temple and in the synagogues. It was read publicly, these prophecies. And it was a thing that they had hoped for, that this Messiah would be coming they were expecting him. So maybe they should have realized this event for, for what it was, but they didn't. And it just got me thinking about the nature of what God is doing in this event. And even broader than that, what God does and how he does it. There was nothing logical or common sense about this inbreaking. 
Yes, there were prophecies. Yes, he fulfilled those prophecies. But the prophecies spoke about a king. That the Messiah would be a king in the line of David. When Jesus came, he wasn't born in a palace. He was born in a stable out back. Didn't even have a bed. Put him in a bunch of hay in a feeding trough. That's not kingly. When the Magi came to see Jesus, they did the logical thing. They went to the king. They went to Herod and they said, we want to see this king that's been born, this king of the Jews. And Herod said, king? What are you talking about? I don't know anything about a king, a new king. This thing is not logical. When the angels announced the birth of Jesus, who did they appear to? Who did they, who did they show up to? Was it the well-informed religious elite who would know what to do when the Messiah came? who would know how to properly handle the Messiah and how to honor him for the, for the glory and the praise that he was due? Um, or did they share the news with the people, again, the religious elite, the priests who uh, would have the, uh, the social clout to be able to properly distribute the news? No, that would be the logical thing to do, wouldn't it? To tell the priests that the Messiah is coming so that they can tell the people to be ready for the Messiah. That would be logical. That would be common sense to give the information to those who were the most credible in that area or who had experience in that area. But instead, God sent word and the announcement to shepherds, <laughs> to some, some of the dirtiest, lowest in that society. They were the first to know about the birth of Jesus outside of Mary and Joseph. They were the ones who would spread the word that the Messiah was born. That doesn't make sense. It's not something we would do. What about the Magi? That God would reveal to these foreigners, these heathens, these pagans, these Gentiles from the East, not people from Jerusalem, the city of David, where he would be king and he would rule. No, no, no. These foreigners from the East, these people who are into astronomy and astrology, watching stars, watching the heavens for these signs. God told them so that they could come. Again, not the priests in the temple. Why not? That's not logical. That doesn't make good sense to tell those people. The fact that the Messiah was born as a baby at all rather than a king who descends from the clouds to rule and to reign. That doesn't make sense. God becoming man. I mean, come on. Who, who comes up with that? And for him to be born in the conditions that he was born in. Mary, a young nobody. She wasn't married. This girl who was found to be pregnant in a society where Joseph could have literally had her stoned for being pregnant because he knew that wasn't his baby. That's the Messiah. It's not logical. And yet this is what God does. And not just here. This is what God does over and over and over and over throughout history and in our lives. He breaks into the world, but the world cannot make sense of it. 
Logically, through common sense, you just can't get there. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness doesn't understand it. We can't comprehend it. We can't grasp it. This world can't get there through logical common sense. You can't make this plus this equal what God does. Just, you just can't. And it got me to thinking, we had a, a comment on our YouTube channel last, last weekend, I guess, after service. And this is somebody who, because of existing health concerns, he hasn't been, been able to be here on, on Sundays, really be much of anywhere. Um, and I wanted to share what he wrote because, number one, I love it, and it's really special to me as a pastor to have this kind of encouragement. But also, it completely fits with what we're talking about right now. So I'm going to read what his comment says, and I have permission to do this. He said, I sincerely appreciate the continuation of this service. I've spent most of my life looking for reason, for logical explanation, anything but miracles. Yet here I am, late in life, seeing the Lord perform miracles in my life in ways that I never experienced before, or maybe I should say recognize." Because I believe Jesus has been trying to talk to me and work in my life, my whole life. I just didn't want to hear. This time last year, I could hardly stand for more than a few minutes at a time. How was I ever going to work again? And at the same time that I was going through those challenges, the Lord brought me to a church, to a people rich in the spirit. And it's challenging me. It's changing me slowly but surely in my life. Thank you and thank the Lord for everything that I have and know. Those breakthroughs happen, even in places and in ways that you don't expect and might not be looking till boom, there it is. Somebody who's looking in their life for God, trying to connect the dots, trying to make it make sense, looking in the logical, looking where you would think God would be showing up in that way, and he wasn't finding it. And all of a sudden, boom, there's a breakthrough. We look for the logical. We look for common sense. We look for ways to understand God in our daily lives. And he does. He's working right in front of us. And we can see him working. But I believe more and more in order for us to comprehend the reality of what God has done in this world and in us individually through Christ, we're not going to get there through logical conclusions and common sense. It's just like this guy says. He looked his whole life for God, through reason. But it took the improbable and miraculous for him to see it. It takes a spiritual inbreaking where you see God do the illogical, unexplainable, improbable, or impossible in your life, and it opens up your eyes to a new reality. And it's a reality that's been there all along. In 1 Corinthians Chapter one, Paul says in verse 27, he says, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong and the insignificant things of the world and the despised God has chosen the things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are so that no human may boast before God. God doesn't work based on what is logical or what is common sense. His purposes in this world aren't timed to our frameworks that we have built and our expectations that we expect him to, to move in. 
the fulfillment of his promises, they don't fit with that, with our frameworks or expectations. That's what we see in the birth of Jesus over and over again. It doesn't fit with what we would do or what we would think would be best or with how we would wanna see it. It just doesn't fit. It's in verse 29, uh, Paul says, it's so that no man may boast before him, right? So that we can't claim to comprehend God or to have effectively done anything meaningful without him. But I don't think, I don't think that God does that just so we know how great he is and how small we are so that he can keep us under his thumb. That's not it at all. I think it's to show us the incredible lengths that he is willing to go to, to show us his love and to show us the power of his redemption for us. God has chosen the things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are so that no human may boast before God. Paul continues on in verse 30. He says, but it is due to him, it is due to him that you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that just as it is written, let, no, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. When you experience the truth of who you are in Christ, and that when you are in Christ, you have, like Paul just said, his righteousness, his sanctification, his wisdom, and his redemption. And you realize what God has done. God has done it, not you in any form of anything that you can keep or you can maintain. What God has done alone and what he has completed in you, it is not logical. It does not make sense. It cannot be explained by human wisdom. It cannot be forced upon anybody by human strength. When you experience God revealing this truth to you, you won't be able to shut up about it. You won't. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. I cannot convince you through logical argument, the truth that we talked about this morning, that you're complete in Christ. I can't do that through logical argument. I can show you the scriptures. I can remind you weekly of what I'm learning to be true, but I cannot convince you logically because it does not make logical sense. But I can tell you that when you have that moment where God turns the light on, you won't be the same and you won't be quiet about it. God broke through to the shepherds that night and immediately they went and they told people about what God was doing. As illogical as it seemed, as improbable as it would have been that they would be the ones that the angels would tell, they couldn't not say anything. They had to, they had to. And do you think that anyone that they came in contact with it was gonna be able to tell them that what they experienced wasn't the truth of what had happened? You think anybody would be able to convince them that, oh, you're out of your mind. What just happened is not real. No, nobody's gonna be able to convince them of that. Somebody, when they approach them to say, you know what, logically God hasn't spoken through a prophet, prophet in 400 years. Why would he break his silence to you bunch? I don't buy it. It doesn't matter. It's the truth, right? 
doesn't have to be logical. doesn't have to make sense. doesn't have to be common sense. It's the truth. God broke through to Mary. She was visited by an angel, had never been with a man, and yet she was pregnant and had a child. Could you explain that logically? Can she explain that logically? No. Did she need to? No. Because there was nobody that was ever going to approach her that was going to tell her it didn't happen. There would be nobody in her life who convinced her that she didn't carry the Messiah. God broke through. Didn't have to make sense. Didn't have to be logical. God repeatedly works in ways that are not logical and that don't make sense and that cannot be explained. The light shines in the darkness, but the world has not understood it. For so many of us Christians, we believe up here. We believe up here, and I think we're saved, and we're sincere, but the illogical truth of who we are in Christ, it eludes us. We can't grasp it. We don't understand it. That can't be, because of all the evidence around me, of all the things that are in front of me, that can't be the truth. And yet, when God breaks through in our individual lives, what is illogical, what doesn't make sense, and what may not fit with what I've grown up with, or what I know up to this point, suddenly it comes into focus, and we realize that it's been the truth all along since we came to Christ. When God breaks through, and that reality all along has been true about what God has done in us by redeeming us, by making us righteous, by taking us from death to life, by putting a new spirit in us, by putting a new heart in us. It's been true all along. We just couldn't see it. We couldn't grasp it. We couldn't comprehend it. When he broke through, or when he breaks through, we suddenly see the new reality. We see as it has been all along. And it's the freedom that Jesus spoke about when he said, he whom the sun sets free is free indeed. We're free. It doesn't have to make sense to be the truth. And I know that for some of you, you're still waiting on that breakthrough. I know that some of you come to church on Sundays, maybe you listen online, and you hear the things we talk about, and there's hints of what life might be like. What it might be like if what I'm saying to you right now is actually true? What if it really was all accomplished in Christ and I get to go rest in him? What if the yoke really was easy and the burden really was light? What if what God really wants from us is a relationship where we get to let him do the hard work of fixing the broken and he's 100% satisfied with who we are in Christ as we wait for the Holy Spirit to do that work? You'd like for that to be true. 
but you can't make it make sense with what you see, hear, feel, know, have learned up to this point. And it's Christmas. If that's you, I would invite you to ask him for a Christmas miracle. Ask him for a breakthrough. Ask God. Don't ask for it to be logical. Don't ask for it to happen in a way to you that makes sense, in a way that you can explain. Ask him through whatever means he wants to, to break through and to show you who you really are. Just a glimpse, even to show you who you really are, to show you how he sees you, not just how he sees you because he's looking through rose-colored glasses, but but how he sees you because it's the reality of who you are. And that maybe the view you have of yourself is the one with the filthy uh, lenses in front of your face. Ask him. Ask him for a breakthrough. 2,000 years ago, God broke through in a way that didn't make sense but it was truth. It was illogical, but it happened. And there is nobody that was there that night that you could ever tell that that didn't happen. It was the most significant, the biggest breakthrough of the kingdom of God into this world that had ever happened and it didn't make sense. It was the most most magnificent day, the biggest day in the history of humanity And it largely went unnoticed on that night. That doesn't make sense. The son of God born as a man to bring his rule and reign to this world and to the hearts of people. It was a breakthrough. The kingdom of God breaking into this world. And I think some of us need a breakthrough to see that truth and see the truth of the breakthrough that happens in here when we give our lives to him. The truth and the reality of who he has made us. I'm gonna ask the band to come on back up. And as they make their way up, I want us to think about the the quiet night. I don't even know if it was a night. Do we know that? I couldn't even tell you by reading the scripture if it was a night. I can tell you all the paintings show that it's night. And there's like some warm light in the stable. I guess it was night when the shepherds showed up, right? Because they were out there tending their flocks at night. But what happened on that quiet night? This, the scene with Mary holding Jesus, treasuring all these things in her heart. That night, God broke through. It wasn't somebody falling flat on the floor, shaking, right? Sometimes it happens that way. That's not what this was when God broke through this way. On the outside, it didn't look like much but there was nobody there that night that would believe anything short of the greatest miracle that God had ever done was happening right there in front of them. And it can work the same way for us. As we sing this next song, Silent Night, why don't you all stand up to your feet? Jeremy, there's a lighter there. So, We're going to grab these candles. We're going to sing Silent Night. And we're going to 
spread the fire back, right, down the road. Keep it on the candles, please, not on the floor or in your seat, spreading the fire. But as this happens, I want you to consider, I want you to consider the light that has come into the darkness. And I want you to consider if you have received that light, if you have embraced that light for what it is, embraced the truth of what Christ did when he came into this world and the truth of what he did in you when you surrendered your life to him. Have you embraced that truth? Have you embraced that breakthrough? Have you comprehended it? Have you embraced it? Have you understood it? What it means in this world and what it means in your life? Christians, followers of Jesus, have you embraced the full and completed work that you are in Christ? I can't convince you of it and I can't make it make sense, but maybe this quiet night can be a night of breakthrough for some of us. Ask him. Ask him. And he will break through. Ask him to show you. I know this isn't the most Christmassy message, but it's the message that I can't stop talking about. I just can't. Because of the truth and the freedom that I've experienced. So as you light this candle and as we pass it, I also like the imagery of passing that light and how understanding or grabbing a hold of it for yourself means then also passing it on to somebody else and that sharing that truth in a, with somebody else just takes a little bit of life-on-life -life contact, a little bit of one-on-one -on -one life, and that flame gets spread to the next person. So let's just sing a few more Christmas songs here, and let's, uh, let's worship our God who broke through in incredible ways and who wants to break through in yours still. <laughs>